Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Newsroom Podcast. I'm joined by David Maddock of The Mirror, at Maddock Mirror uh, once again. It's been a few weeks now, David. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, no pleasure to be here. I am really excited for this one, mainly because I've been off ill all week. Thank you for the kind words, everybody, as well, <laughs> on all the videos and stuff. And the few of you with the non-kind words, thank you as well, because it means I'm relevant. Um, so, I haven't talked about the Napoli win at all yet, so I'm really excited to delve into this with somebody. Uh, and that's where we're going to start. I mean, first of all, David, what an incredible week it's been for Liverpool so far. Well, I was going to say thanks for inviting me this week because at least there's something to talk about. I mean, it's been an amazing week, top of the Premier League, which was unexpected, to be honest. And then going into a huge game, probably the biggest game of the season so far because of you know what was at stake. And, uh, and Liverpool performed brilliantly in it. So it has been, it's been a hell of a week and, and um, it's actually... Uh, Virgil van Dijk said after the game, after the Napoli game, he he, he was asked whether um, what he felt about fans saying it was a blessing in disguise if they went out, and he basically said that's rubbish. We've got to be in all the competitions, and he said he said let's just enjoy it, enjoy the ride, basically, and and that's exactly what it is at the moment. It's 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 a hell of a ride with Liverpool, and I think you've got to enjoy it. I think you do, you know. Listen, a lot's been said and a lot's been written about last season's Champions League journey to the final and stuff. But if you can't enjoy the journey, I don't. I, for me personally, as a fan, I don't get it. I mean, you know, I think back to thirteen, fourteen, and there's still fans of other clubs out there who'll be going. You know, you shouldn't have been singing. You, you're going to win the league. When do you get a chance to sing that? Yeah, exactly. We're going to yeah. win the league. It's only before you win the league that you can actually sing that. And for me, that's all part of the journey. It's not just silverware. It's not the be-all and end-all of it. You've got to enjoy these journeys, you know, stories from going away to Porto last season and battering them 5-0 and beating Manchester City at the Etihad when they were top of the Premier League table and running away with it and everything that we've gone through, losing in Roma but still going through. That's all part of an incredible journey that we've been on as fans and journalists. Absolutely. Funnily enough, last season, that, that, that maybe the two greatest stories were, were two defeats, which was the semi-final in Rome, as you say, where at the end it was probably the best atmosphere, the best moment I've seen for Liverpool fans in a long, long time. And then the final itself, and the the, the stories people have from Kiev, you know, they, they lost. It was it was you know hugely disappointing because they dominated the first half an hour. 
but but the actual experience i don't i don't think many people came back from there think feeling devastated because because the experience they had and and I, the, you look at look at football now and it is dominated by money obviously mm. and it's dominated by rich clubs who are financed by super billionaires or even states you know so the chances are, and the statistics tell you, that the super rich clubs always win because the more money you spend on wages, the more chance you have of winning. So you can't you can't win all the time. And a club like Liverpool, you know, I mean, they spend a lot of money on wages. They spend far more than you know, most of the rest of the Premier League, but they're only fourth highest spenders. So the chances of them actually winning are, are relatively low. So if you're getting close, if you're top of the league at Christmas, if you get to the Champions League final, Enjoy it, just like love it, you know, because because you, as you say, you, it doesn't happen very often. So just enjoy the That's ride. It. You know, in two thousand five, I was where was I in two thousand five? I was working as a manager of a pub at the right. time. Now, anyone who's worked in the catering industry will tell you you, you don't get to go to footy games very often. Yeah. So you know, going to somewhere like Istanbul was completely out of the question for me. Over the last eight years since we've been doing Red Men. I have been, unfortunately, all losses. I have been to the Capital One Cup final. I, I have been to an FA Cup final. I have been to a Europa League final. And I've been to a Champions League final. Now, there will be people out there going, you're a really bad luck. <laughs> yeah. You need to stop going Don't to go. finals, Chris. And, and me, and do you know what? I'm very close to being able to do that. And, I, and, I, and I, I'd said that after the Europa League final, I couldn't take another heartbreaking loss. But it's the hope that keeps you going. And as a football fan, to be in a stadium when Liverpool lift that trophy and, you know, to one day do it is what keeps driving me to go and support the team. And, you know, I think people seem to have this entitlement around football. I've said it so many times over the years that I've heard fans of other clubs say, I spend this on my ticket, therefore that. Bullshit. You spend your money to go and support your club and the chances are they'll win or they'll lose and that's that. You don't spend your money, £50 a game or whatever, to see your team win. You don't. You spend your money to go and see them play and the result is the result. Um, But what I was kind of coming back to is that that Europa League final, it was a heartbreaking loss, but I knew something special was happening. Yeah. Just like the run to the Champions League final gave me even more hope that we're closer to something. And I said at the start of the season, Dave, I thought Klopp's Liverpool side is much better set up for European football than Premier League football. What? I was wrong. Because we he's changed that style of play. And right now, it looks like we're able to dominate in the Premier League against the, the Dross, quite frankly, yeah. and pick up results against them. But also, importantly, switch it up in games like this where you actually saw Klopp's European side come back for the first time against Napoli. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you know, do you know what? Um, what? What Liverpool have is world-class players, basically. And I, I, saw, I saw something uh, from a United fan um, posted online and he he was talking about Manchester United, and he was saying that Manchester United only have one world class player at the moment, and he's probably right. And he said the problem they've got is that City have got th- three, maybe even four. Liverpool have got three world class players, maybe even four. Um, Chelsea have got a couple of world class players. Spurs have got a couple of world class players. United are, are basically have one, and it's that that's their keeper, and 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 that's right. But the point being. That Liverpool, who spend less money than Chelsea and less money than Manchester United, have probably equal number of world-class players mm. that, that Manchester City do. So what you're getting now 
is is a Liverpool team that have got all of Klopp's attributes, which is the team ethic, that it, that work rate, that incredible ability, and you saw that against Napoli. But they've also got some world class players. So you've got world class keeper, clearly world class centre half. Nobody disputes that, and a world class. Left well, back, <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely for me. But they've got you know Mo Salah, and I'm, I, I was I hesitated there because I was tr- going to say I was trying to describe his position. So a world class what? But yeah. really, he's a world class centre forward, isn't he? And 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 you know his goal scoring is beyond doubt, and and he's proven that. And when you've got and and uh, for me, you're right. Andy Robbo was probably the man of the match on uh, uh, on Tuesday. So. You've got at least three, maybe four players who would would get into any any other team, really, and and they are providing that little bit extra beyond, say, the the Europa, the Europa League final team, which was an exciting side, but it 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 got there because of Klopp's system and and Klopp's mentality, whereas now you've still got that, as we saw, and that's the point you just made. We still got that, and they can step up. They said before the game they wanted passion. They want. They really needed to to have that sort of driving commitment that that his teams have. But they've also, in the key moments, they've got world class players. Salah showed it with a world class finish, and it was. And it, I still can't believe people are, are not saying more about that goal because it was unbelievable. And then you saw Van Dijk and Allison and Andy Robertson produce. Incredible defensive performances at the right time when when they really needed it. So I, I agree with you exactly, and, and that's where they're at with that extra dimension. And that's it. And we've looked at title winning sides over the years, and you'll have reported on a lot of them. And a lot of these sides do have a, an incredibly strong spine, don't they? You think back to the Manchester United one with Van der Sar in goal and Stam, and maybe your Vidic's or your Ferdinand's, and Roy Keane's ahead of them, and then a striker in Van der Sar. They've all had that throughout the, yeah. throughout the time. Liverpool haven't really had that spine for so long. and We've always had the problem with the goalkeeper, I think. Yeah. But Alisson's come in, and it's just like, why didn't we do this years ago? Why didn't we just go and buy a goalkeeper that can do this years ago? The, honestly, the answer to that is is uh, I've no idea. Um, funny enough, you look at Klopp himself, and and he never really emphasised keeper. When he was at Dortmund, he had a Vadenfeller who was yeah, it was, he was sol- there before him. Yeah, it was there before he? him, and he was solid enough. And and it, but he he never he, he brought in a lot of unbelievably top class players at there. But keeper was an area where he never really he bothered. And I think he actually needed a little bit of persuading that they needed to spend. Big money on a keeper. I don't. I don't think even in the summer he felt it was an area that it it required the huge money that centre half did or or you know centre forward did. Um, but that game at Chester, that pre season at Chester, I think that persuaded him. And, that might have been. Yeah, and the warm ups at Tranmere, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah that's right. But a question for you then: Do you think Klopp has evolved? With his proximity to Guardiola, and I'll try and I'll try and phrase that a bit better. Klopp's sides were always built on the counter press, the gegenpress. press. Now it feels to me like it's very much morphed into something, maybe a middle ground between a possession based side and also a counter attacking side. Now, for Pep's style of play, I think the goalkeeper's always been needed. 
because you need to be able to recycle that possession the way that Edison does for Manchester City. Because Liverpool are afforded the possession so often in games because they don't want teams don't want them to count to, Liverpool to counterattack them. Do you think he's had to he's been influenced by Pep in that way, and and maybe that's one of the reasons that he's gone for this style of football? I, I, I personally not because um, even going back a couple of years ago. The reason he wanted Karius in the side, even though Karius clearly had some flaws, was because of his footballing ability. The fact that I mean, and 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 you know what? I mean, you can rewrite history and all that. But he was good at his distribution. Yeah. I mean, that's why he was in the team. Obviously, you need to make saves, but but he was in the team for that reason. And so Klopp always wanted he wanted that 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 kind of quick exchange between defence and attack. Obviously, and 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 the keeper provides that. Um, in the search for a goalkeeper, it was a real problem. The, the, there were so few candidates because there there were there were decent keepers out there that that they rated, but they weren't fo- you know footballers. So, I mean, they could have gone out and got Joe Hart, for instance, but for the same reason that uh, Manchester City didn't want him, Liverpool didn't want him, and and the same at the um, the, the fella at Southampton. They really rated him as a goalkeeper, but he's he, he's not a, not a footballer. Um, and even um, the the uh, Atletico Madrid keeper, who's probably or black, yeah, or black, who's probably the best shot stopper in the world, footballing wise, he's he's not great on on the sort of the movement of the ball. So there were doubts about that as well. I think they could have you know gone gone in for him, but in the end. The money and the the doubts stopped them. So, Klopp, Klopp's always had that in his side. He's always wanted a keeper who can do that. He's got one now. There's absolutely no doubt. Against Napoli, there was one moment where um, Alisson knocked a, a flat kick, 60, 70 yards, uh, left to right, brilliant pass. And you think, Jesus Christ, you know, the centre-half would be proud of it's that It's like one. Jan Molby played in uh, sometimes, absolutely, isn't it? Yeah, he, and he does, he absolutely has that ability. Uh, I think Klopp's tactical changes are more to do with he he's pragmatic and he realizes that that um at this at this level now Liverpool are at they're just simply not going to be able to play the 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 that that sort of gag and press if you like that counter attacking football at all times they can still do it against teams when when teams come and actually play um, Napoli came and pushed quite high on, on Liverpool. That was that was an interesting thing. and It looked like Klopp expected that to yeah. me. And I understand why um, Ancelotti would set his team up that way. If they score a goal, we needed three. Yeah, minimum, absolutely. Didn't yeah. We? Um, and so it, it made sense, but it also kind of played into our hands a little bit in that case, didn't it? I think mm. the first 10, 15 minutes, I thought, both teams vying for possession yeah. quite well. Then Liverpool really started to get a sort of territorial advantage and an advantage of, of ball possession as well. But Napoli didn't play. They didn't play the way that we'd seen them play earlier this season, did they? No, that's right. And you know, you know what? I mean, I, I don't want to get too technical or anything, but I think Ancelotti looked at Liverpool's midfield and obviously he'd have done all his homework a, a, a long time before and thought that, he could press the Liverpool midfield because, you know, the, possibly with the exception of Wijnaldum, the midfield that played the other night, the one weakness they have is that if if that if you pressure them on the ball, they're not good at, at, at escaping the press. Um, they're not good at sort of moving the ball around the, the, the body and still passing forward, turning and passing forward. They tend to have to go back. 
Um, and 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 so he'd have done that homework. But actually, uh, maybe the sort of first fifteen minutes with with Henderson apart, uh, Henderson, Milner, and Wijnaldum did actually beat that press really well. And they were helped by by Mane, particularly sort of coming and giving options, and obviously the centre halves. Um, Joel Matic came out and played as well, which which helped a huge amount, and and so it kind of beat um, Napoli's tactic and and gave Liverpool momentum because then as Napoli pushed so high, obviously Liverpool then just needed two passes and they were in and they did it all game, um, and 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 so people criticised Henderson and Milner. Uh, particularly before the game, but in fact credit to them because because they did their job far better than I think people gave, sort of gave them credit for. It's, it's, it's an interesting point actually, and it's something that I think you know if you look at impact and packing stats around football, they're very difficult to get at a base level for mm. a lot of fans and stuff nowadays. Uh, but there are they are out there, and Milner comes off as one of the best midfielders in the Premier League with his packing and impact stats. Mm. Uh, John Henderson is much better than you'd give him credit for because people think he plays the ball backwards. But he takes mm. out a lot of players with his passes. Of the three players, Wijnaldum's actually the worst mm. on impact and packing stats, mm. and you know. But when you've got the likes of Andy Robertson and, and Trent Alexander Arnold, who are constantly playing vertical passes, yes. you can you can get around that midfield, and I think that's something that Liverpool have done very well. Andy Robertson not only does he sometimes beat a man before he plays a pass, he does that so often, but he can take two, three, four players out the game with a pass straight afterwards. And, and I, I'm not sure they were quite set up for Liverpool to work down the wings as well as we did. Yeah, yeah. Although if they weren't, God knows why. Because you saw against PSG, you know that that at home Liverpool. The, the 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 I was going to call them fullbacks. They're not fullbacks. No. They're, they're, they're wide players, and and both of them were absolutely magnificent. Both of them were. Robertson was unbelievable, but but Alexander Arnold. I saw that stat that he created six chances or something. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing, really. And and uh, he he was outstanding, and still such a young player. It's incredible. Um, with, with Liverpool, you, you're right. They, they they quite often they. They don't need the midfielders to play the role that traditionally, you know, in other sides, say City, that that their midfielders do because because they have more of an emphasis on on uh, both the the, the fullbacks uh, or wide players and then the front three, um, sort of creating the, the the moments, creating the space and 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 turning the the opposition, which they did. You know, I I think it was almost perfect on on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, Trent Alexander Arnold played a th- off the top of my head. I think it was thirteen passes into Salah's feet. Mm. You know, that's your right back playing a tier right forwards. Yeah. Now that was much higher than Andy Robertson to Sadio Mane. But then I've always thought that Trent plays better with Salah ahead of him. Yeah. Because I think when it gets into trouble time, he's always got that whipped ball over yeah, the top yeah. for Salah. I would, to I would say that one of the reasons that the stat with Robertson and, and Mane is Mane was actually coming more into the sort of middle, maybe to, to help with the, 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 the sort of to beat the press, really, by, by offering an option and trying to create almost a space, you know, as Firmino also does. But he was trying to create a, a half space mm-hmm. between the sort of the, the midfield press of Napoli and their defence. And, and it, it worked, you know, although um, I mean, he, he then also, like, used that space to get chances and then missed them. But I, I think he, he actually performed a, a brilliant role, although, you, you know, you can't, 
there's no doubt he should have scored. He should have probably scored three. But I thought he performed, again, better than people gave him credit for, apart from, obviously, in front of goal. And, you know, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? And what about... We've skated around it, but, you know, the defence, Virgil van Dijk, Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matip, Alisson... The fact that Liverpool can now win games 1-0, how important is that moving forward through the season? Well, obviously it's massive because they've won loads 1-0 already this season. And, and you've got to say, no, absolutely no <coughs> doubt, they, last season they wouldn't have won many of those. I don't, I, I, do you know what? I should, I should know this. I should know how many games they've won 1-0, but they've won several. And those games in the Premier League, they wouldn't have won last season. They'd have conceded a goal at the end, whatever. And... and, and Take the take, you know, six points away, say four points away, and and City, you're back in the pack. Yeah, yeah, you're back in the pack exactly, and you're just chasing City, and that, and that's that's it. So it's vital. It's absolutely vital, and it comes back to what I said right at the start: is when you add two world class players to a very good team, and Liverpool since Klopp arrived have been a very good team. In his first half season, they got to two finals. Mm. You don't, you're a good side if that happens. Had two world class players, and you're becoming a, a, a you know a top class side, and and that's where they're at now, definitely. What well, what do you think? Is it as simple as you could have thrown any world class centre Arvin, and we'd have been a, a much better side? Or is there something about the fellas the Klopp picks that you know? Is he he's very much a humanist, isn't he at heart? Jurgen Klopp, I think you know he wants to do the right by people, but he also I think he has a lot of time and thought go into the types of people that enter the group as a whole I mean would Koulibaly for example work just as well as Virgil van Dijk because he's a class centre yeah, well, well. that's it I mean it's a great question um, and I'd answer it in two ways first of all uh, it's not as simple as that because there's hardly any top world class centre halves out there and actually I'm, I'm glad you and I, I'm glad you uh, brought Koulibaly Koulibaly up First of all, because I don't know how to pronounce his names, and I still couldn't do it. <laughs> second, second, because Klopp spoke about him to us several times. You know, um, it's kind of off the record, so you're not really allowed to to sort of print it. Certainly not say that he said it, but um, and, and, <laughs> but you go to it. Anyway, well, this yeah. is now some years later. It's some years later, so it's fine. And it, and he basically was saying. Um, Oh, like everybody's going on. We need a centre half. We need a centre half. But who is out there? Who is out there that I can go and get? And he said, Kubiali. Like, is he better? Whatever his name is, forget it. Is he better than Dejan Lovren? And he's like, No, he isn't better. And 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 uh, and and then he mentioned a couple of others. He, interestingly, he never mentioned Van Dijk. But he basically said, there's nobody out there that is currently better than the ones I've got, and it's just making it work. Um, obviously, when when a player who was better came came up, he went and got him. And 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 here's the interesting thing: I watched that game, and everybody around me were going, and I'm not going to say his name. The Napoli centre half is top class, and and I was going, is he top class? Is he? Because for me, he can't play. Really? I mean, I just don't think on the ball he's like he's good enough. And you need to be at this level if you're going to be. I mean, he's a great defender, absolutely. He's an immense defender, but you need to be able to play. And there were times I saw him on the ball 
when you're like you're looking at him, you're going, he looks a bit like Sacco. He's like he looks like he, you know, he's like he, 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 he's like five looks touches. Ungainly. He's so ungainly. And 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 actually, when when he got done for the goal, he looked ungainly then. And then you're thinking, if it, to, you know, for me, and and it's difficult to to criticize him because obviously he's an immense defender, but I don't think he's balanced enough to be a world-class defender because he, he can't take the ball, for instance, under pressure and stuff like that, whereas Van Dijk can. And actually, Joel, Ma- Joel Matip, he, he showed that he can. And I, I'm not suggesting that you know he's a world-class defender. But what I'm saying is he can play and he, it's, he looks great alongside Van Dijk, but so does Lovren and so does Gomez. And it's 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 you know it's that's not a coincidence, it's coincidence is it? Because he brings in a world class defender, and suddenly the other three defenders who've all been criticised in the past are all like everyone criticised Joel Matip, and and yet look at him the last three games before he got injured. It's like yeah. suddenly he looks like a top class player. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say this: I was speaking to someone, a mate of mine who's a massive Celtic fan, and he said it was the same at Celtic. He said every defender he played alongside when he played alongside them. They looked a better player. They really did. They looked comfortable at that level. As soon as he didn't play, they looked like the crap that they had, you know, they were before. And and he and he said, you know, Van Dyke does that because Van Dyke has presence, basically. There's a calmness there, isn't there? He almost looks aff- like personally affronted when he has to sprint as well. Like his position wasn't good enough for himself. And yeah. he looks he looks to me like he's angry at himself when he yeah. has to sprint or something. Yeah. But, he showed me in that game, and I watched this. I watched this game on the telly because I mentioned I was ill, so I got a different view to normal. I know, I'm, I'm normally, obviously, every home game, and most of the aways, or at least it used to be a large part of the aways, and I'd not seen him screaming at like the fullbacks as often as I saw in that Napoli game, and I wondered whether that was just him again, just become more and more comfortable in his in his own skin in this Liverpool side, or whether it's just not something that I've noticed from the stands very often. Well, do you know what? I mean, I think people forget this. He's not old. He's no. like you know, he's still quite young for a centre half. And second, he's never played at the top level before. You know, he was a he was he played in Holland. He went to Celtic and Celtic. You know, I mean, they won everything, but but it's not it's not a great level. It's Championship level. And then he went to Southampton, and they were a good side, and they did well. But they're mid you know mid table Premier League, so he's never played at the top level. And then he's coming to Liverpool, and it, you know, for the first time, he's playing at the top level. He's playing in Champions League finals, and you know, as a young player, I think we forget we're looking at him like he's thirty-two and he's played, you know, for the for a massive club his whole career. He's not. So in a way, he he was settling in. He was getting used to it himself, and he he made mistakes. He did, and he still makes the odd mistake. Um, but he's only going to get better. That that's the amazing thing about him. Um, and, I, and I think sometimes we we all get a bit carried away. You know, I'm guilty of it as well. You, you know, talk, I've talked about him as being world class, and he is, but he's still learning because he's still young, and he's still literally only been not even been a season at the very top level. Mm. He's not had one full season yet because he didn't come till January. So, you know, in in eighteen months' time, I think he'll be even more commanding. He'll be captain of Liverpool for a start, and he'll be and he will be, you know. He'd be telling people what to do, and he'd be dominating games and and controlling the the, the whole thing. You saw he had that exchange with Henderson as well, and you know yeah. it was good to see. It's good that you know, like Henderson was telling him where he'd made a mistake, and they were having a bit of a 
Around. You need that, I think, in winning sides, don't you? Absolutely, you do. He said afterwards that himself, Van Dyke. He said, you know, it, it, it's all good. It's like, it shows that the team care and it shows that they're they're all in it together because they're telling each other. And he said, and if there's a problem with it, he can sort it out in the dressing room afterwards. But he said there was no problem, you know. Occasionally it might overstep the mark, but he said it, it, was, it was exactly what a, a winning side, a, a good side, do and need. Definitely. What about um, another thing that I think we, we saw and we, we touched on briefly, but the gag and press being back in this game, you know? Yeah. How, how is that? Is it. It's a difficult one to phrase this. I've been wanting to see this all season long, and I'd, I'd expected to see it in the Champions League more so than the league because mm. of the ta- calibre of opposition, the away games being that much harder. I think, you know, us losing three away games has, has proved that. Does this bode well for Liverpool in the next stage of the competition uh, as well as the Premier League? It does because I'm, not, I'm sure we're going to talk about this later. But if you look at the size they can get, you, you look at the team, the, 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 all the away games. Uh, Paris was Paris was a bit of a blip, but Napoli and 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 Belgrade, they they played they basically bypassed midfield, and you know Napoli did. Napoli played with three centre halves and bypassed midfield really. Um, which made it harder to, for Liverpool to press. They wanted to press, and it, it was it was difficult, and it never worked in both of those games. And, and in in Paris, Paris's ability on the ball stopped them from yeah. pressing quite as much as certainly in the first half. In the second half, it worked actually, and it worked really well. And Liverpool dominated the second half in Paris. Um, but so they they got done a little bit because sides obviously know what's coming. But now, with the exception of Porto. The, all the teams they can get, none of those sides are going to come out and do that, really. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think it will be back in, um, and it will be more effective. And I think you'll see the, the the team of last season in the in the knockout stages. But of course, they're playing really good teams now. So, well, let's let's talk about the the Champions League draw. It's, it's on Monday next week, um, so we can face Dortmund, Barcelona, Porto, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, or Juventus. Quite a who's who of European football, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, normally in the the Champions League, you, you kind of get a split be- between first and second in the you know who of who of um, the, the of the really big clubs. They don't they don't all win the group. It's quite a strange phenomenon. But this time, basically, possibly with the exception of Atletico Madrid, all the teams that you would expect to win the group have, have kind of won it. You mm. know, I mean, actually. I've got to say, I expected Liverpool to win their group. And had they performed remotely away from home as they should have done, they would have won it quite easily. But but um, with all the rest of the sides, the, the the teams you would expect to win have won. So you're up against you're up against something uh, in really tough. And and Liverpool are going to have to produce the form of last season in the Champions League to to get through this next round. Who would you take? That's easy. <laughs> well, not everybody. I've heard loads of people say Real Madrid. No, you've got you, you look at Porto, and they are the one side who are you know who are you know, wouldn't be favourites if you if you like or wouldn't be joint favourites. That Liverpool Liverpool have got a great record against them, obviously, and and they'll be fearful of Liverpool. There's no doubt. So, although you know it could play the other way, and that Liverpool could go there and they could like say, do you know what? We're not even going to attack. We're just going to play long balls and. And, and not worry about and just make sure we don't concede, you know. So, it, 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 but 
Yeah, you'd take them. Of course you'd take them. Who would be the top of the list for who you'd want to avoid from those six teams? Um, Barcelona, I think, at this stage, definitely. I mean, you can't avoid the sides, so you, you've got to beat them and all that, but you definitely want to want to avoid Barcelona. I would take Real Madrid, I would. I don't think Real Madrid are any good. I think, I think they're poor this season. And also, I think that more importantly... If you get at them, their crowd will turn very quickly because they know that things are wrong there. And in Madrid, they have this thing where when when they they it turns against the side as it has done this season, and they got beat again at home against by a rubbish team this week in the Champions League. Their crowd will really go quickly. So I mean, you know, Liverpool Liverpool would fancy that. And it's going to be a big miss anyway, though, isn't he? Virgil Van Dijk's going to be missing the first yeah, leg. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that, and that, that just makes me go, well, Porto then. Please. That's another reason why you'd, you'd you'd want you'd want Porto. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And what about Juventus? I, I'm not. A, I, at the moment, I I'm I don't think Italian football's all that. I, I actually don't think Napoli were all that. I don't think Roma were all that. Both played pretty well against Liverpool. Um, Juventus were battered last season by Spurs in the knockout stages for all but about seven minutes, and yet went through. And you know they've got that they've got that ability, a bit like Real Madrid in the final. They have the ability to to somehow win even when they're getting beat. You know if you, if you see what I mean. Um, but I, I would fancy Juventus. I think Liverpool have a decent record against Juventus. Yeah, well, I think so. the last time we probably it was the two thousand five run was probably the last time we played them. Was yeah. it when Sammy yeah. Hippie scored that left-footed yeah, yeah. volley against them at Anfield? Yeah. And yeah. I think it was two one at the time. Um, okay, well we'll move on then. Uh, we've got a huge game at the weekend against Manchester United. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We're not we're like we're not even mentioned United. And, I'm, <laughs> and, it, and we're half an hour yeah. in, and it's looming it's just large. What a week it's been! Yeah, what, what but, a time it is. We're so far ahead of them. What is what is going wrong at United this season, David? Right, let me first of all say, like, this is the worst time to play Manchester United. It really is, because they're a mess. And 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 that means one thing, and that's Mourinho is just making sure he doesn't get beat in this game and 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 and, and dirty stealing a win. That's what you'll want to do. So um Everything I say about what is wrong about United, I'm going to qualify by saying I fear them. It, if, I, if, I, if, if I'm being a Liverpool fan, I would fear them this weekend. Because the wounded animal well, thing? Well, no, no, just because of Mourinho and the ugly stuff that he's going to do. And, and, and uh, it, it, I mean, Liverpool, touch wood, they're going to be a different side because of the everything we've spoken about, how they can win 1-0, how they can defend and they can be calm now and they don't have to go 100. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. miles an hour, which means it could be a really boring game. But still, Mourinho, he, he, you know. I don't. I don't like him. I don't. I, I think that's pretty obvious if you look at my Twitter. I, don't, I just don't like him. Um, I don't like the way he plays. I don't like the way he speaks about his players. I just. I just. Everything about him for me is wrong these days. Uh, Has it always been the case then? Well, I've never liked the way he played football. He, he, he's always played horrible football. He, he always has. And and anybody who says any different, they're just not watching his sides. But now, honestly, he can. He's going to play. He's going to come, and they'll have. I reckon they'll have less than thirty percent possession, honestly, because he won't want the ball in midfield. Absolutely no way. So he'll play Fellaini, he'll play Lukaku, and they'll they'll bypass Liverpool's press. They'll they'll try and get the ball wide behind as Liverpool's fullbacks push on. They'll get big guys in those positions, and they'll just play long ball. And it's not easy when good sides come and play like that because they're still good players Um, and it counters what Liverpool want to do and that's why you know I'm I'm concerned I think it's a game Liverpool could drop points in you know they could certainly draw it United in fact Klopp's uh, in the league, he's not actually beaten Mourinho. I think it, 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 at the last eight, have we beaten United? In the yeah, well, they, three not, draws yeah, and yeah. five losses. Yeah, that's, I think it, like it, that. it's they, they beat them in in Europe in the, the Europa League, and that, that's it under Klopp. And uh, two wins for them and three draws, I think, under Klopp. Wow. So it's it's not you know the record ain't good, and the the reason is simple: is that basically Mourinho comes to comes to not get beat and 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 um and then sometimes sneaks a win. And even last season when they won they were two nil up and won two one. He played for a draw and they got two two goals and then from the time they scored, I think they had twenty seven percent possession, you know, from the time they scored the second goal. Oh. And it, it it's it's like it's it's ugly. It's frightening. And but that's what he'll do. And I there are they are still a mess. But actually, it focuses things when you're playing against Liverpool. If you, you know, if you're United, if you're Mourinho, and and you know, they know they can't lose. If they lose, that's it. They they will. If they lose, they're out of the top. The, the, any chance of finishing in the top four. The, the, you know, Does he lose his job if he yeah. loses at Liverpool at the weekend? Well, well, I don't think so. But purely because um, they they they're basically they'll be. It won't matter that. Because there's no way they'll be able to finish in the top four if they lose to, to Liverpool. So, whoever you then bring in, they're not going to finish in the top four. And actually, the people available are just not going to be the candidate they would want going forward. So it, it doesn't make much sense as bringing in a 
bringing in a caretaker. So um, probably I didn't probably yeah exactly. Of... I probably didn't explain that very well. But what I'm saying is they <coughs> want a manager. They they will now and in the summer I think they'll get they get it and they, so they'll want a Pochettino or somebody like that. And, and they're not maybe gonna, or... yeah, and they're not going to get that manager now. And it's pointless having a caretaker. So you know because they're not going to do any better than 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 where Mourinho's at now. Because if you, I mean, how many points will be behind Liverpool if they lose? It'll be like eighteen or yeah, something like that. It are might we, even be twenty. Are we like, sixteen ahead of yeah, them now? Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. It, it's but it is but it is close to to twenty points ahead if Liverpool win on Sunday, and 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 but they'll also be. I think ten points behind fourth place, or even twelve points behind if the other clubs win, and and you know that that gap is already there, and they're not making it up if they lose. I mean, to be honest, they're not making it up anyway. But if they lose on, on Sunday, that's it. They 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 are just playing for Europa League place, and so they can't afford to lose. Yeah. So confirmation on that, they are eight points behind. Uh, Fifth, which is level with fourth, yeah. Um, which you'd guess Arsenal and Chelsea would both pick up victories, so they could yeah, be eleven so points could, well, behind. Well, exactly, yeah, eleven points behind fourth place, and they are sixteen points behind us after sixteen. That's right. Games. So it's nineteen points, and and you know it is just unthinkable. But um, that's their season. <laughs> you know they're not going to win the Champions League, so the season's down then to the FA Cup, isn't it? And 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 it. it so going right back to the original question, they're a mess. What is wrong with them? It's the manager for me. But the, you know, let, let's that you can argue that there's a there's a malaise at the, uh, at the top of the club. The club are actually spending money still. They've spent money. They didn't spend money this summer, but they spent a huge amount of money. And the reason they didn't really spend money this summer is they they decided that they would the money that the manager wanted them to spend was on players who would just as good as the players they already had. And players like, for instance, Martial, um, Rashford, Lingard even, are still young players who needed developing, and he was wanting to bring in players who would just basically would stop their, their progress. And, and, you know, Martial they'd spent £50 million on, so it, it's not... It, it, I can understand that point. And I think United do need a different approach now. They need to start looking at what City do, what Liverpool do. And and just don't Liverpool and City don't buy thirty two year old players, thirty no. year old players, and spend and spend fifty million on them. They just don't do it. And and you know everyone says City are buying the title, and they are, but they're not buying them with thirty two year olds. They're they're they're. I okay. mean, was it ten years ago that they buy Van Persie in for thirty odd million quid United? Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he did propel them. To yeah, me. he did. But yeah. That's ten years ago but, now. But, yeah, but but. They did it with Sanchez, and it's been an absolute disaster. You know, they did it with Ibrahimovic, and it was stupid—stupid money for a player that, you know, it just was never going to take them. What forward. I what I don't understand is how he convinced everybody that his defenders weren't good enough when they were one of the best defenses in the in the league last season. Yeah, it, but it, it feels to me like he knocks their confidence so often. The players that he's got playing for them, yeah. you know. I don't know what Luke Shaw's. It wouldn't surprise me if Luke Shaw didn't know whether he was coming or well, going. Do you know the what? I'm not, I won't name names, but I know managers who who say privately, "What the hell is he doing? How can you manage like that? How can you maintain a team? How can you create a team spirit?" Of course, he doesn't really create 
like the the teams what he creates is tension and he and 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 he has a system Mourinho he creates tension within it and then he has he does have you know real ability in his forward lines when you look always he has match winners he has he has people who work people you know aggressive defensive incredibly tough defenses work in midfield and then absolute top quality up front and he's won titles like that. Now he's got a problem because he's undermined all those players and he needed to get them out and bring in more players. And of course, they didn't allow that and they wanted him to manage. But his management doesn't really allow for building over a long period. That's why he tends to leave clubs. Or this, or the team ends up yeah. almost imploding. It does, yeah, it tends to. Yeah. The, 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 even the, the first Chelsea team he built, which was his best team, and they were, you know, they were a brilliant, sometimes ruthless, sometimes tough to watch, but always, always a brilliant team. But it, they did fall apart in the end. You know, he he did lose, and and they did, you know, they played some dour football in the end as well. But, so I'm blaming the manager, but actually, the some of the, you know, and he's got to be blamed for some of the decisions. Um, Sanchez, as I say, was a just a. You know, disastrous, and you look at it, and he, you know, he, he was like, is he okay? You could argue he was at his actual peak at Arsenal because he had played well that season, despite being horrible in trying to force his way out. But he was only ever going to go down, yeah, and he was probably going to go down relatively quickly because because he's you know he he is an old player, he's and and his game is kind of based on pace. Pace and and you know as soon as you lose even a fraction of that, then you you lose his effectiveness. Admittedly, he's hardly been helped by Mourinho's system, which doesn't really bring the best out of him. And he asked him to play kind of out wider, and and uh, it's not really suited him. But they, it all comes down to the fact that they've not really got the players to 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 to, to ultimately fit his system mm-hmm. and he can't change his system to fit his players oh that's because it's Bobby Robson's system come on he, <laughs> he found that notebook and hasn't had a page himself for 15 <laughs> bloody years the, I'd say the other thing is as well possibly what you say there exactly they, they, he's not changed for 15 years but football has so you know the, like like the the way the way Pochettino plays the, 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 the way Guardiola plays the way Klopp plays even the way Eddie Howe plays, you know, it's evolved. The f- football has evolved. It's a, it is a kind of different sort of approach now where those sides can more often beat the sides who play like Mourinho's teams. So it, it's it's an interesting development in football. And maybe, you know, maybe, and it, you know, it always happens eventually. Managers do go beyond their time and, and then it's time for someone else and maybe Mourinho's time's up. Yeah, that's it. I hope, let's hope so. Um, or let's not actually. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep Man United where they are now with Mourinho for as long I, as possible. I want. I want sides. I want to see sides who play football. You know, I mean, it's like sometimes you, you look at City and like I wish they wouldn't be quite so dominant. You know, I wish they wouldn't spend quite so much money. But actually, you know, they do play amazing football, and you have to give them credit. It is amazing to watch. And and even Spurs, they're a great team to watch at times. And you know, everybody loves Barcelona for the way they play. So that's it. Is the kind of football you do want to see? You, you, I just want to see 
sides like Liverpool succeed in who play that way without spending quite as much money as, say, Barcelona, say, Manchester City or Chelsea or Manchester United. Obviously, they still spend huge amounts of money. And so, like anybody watching who's a smaller club, it, you know, it's true. But you want to see sides winning like Liverpool with, without quite spending the same as the rest. Or just sides like Liverpool winning. Uh, I don't really care. I'll be honest, I would prefer it to be done this way, building something over time yeah. because yeah. it feels like we've been along for the journey and that goes back to what we were saying at, at the very top. Well, of the it's show. the only way. I mean, and people might think I'm sort of, you know, talking out my arse here because, because Liverpool have spent, you know, a world record fee on a keeper and a world record fee on a centre-half. But actually... They still haven't spent on wages anywhere near what City and United are spending, or Barcelona or Real Madrid, and and they don't. It isn't the same. It's not well, the just, same spending type. Has Manchester City spent eleven and a half million on a centre half and their left back? first choices because that's what Joe Gomez and Andy Robertson cost us so ultimately we spend 75 million on Van Dijk but we get Trent up through the ranks nothing three and a half million on Joe Gomez arguably your first choice centre half and eight million on Robertson we still spent less than 100 million on our back four it just so happens that 75 million of that was on Virgil Van Dijk yeah yeah no it's true and even like with 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 (coughs) Salah they could have gone out and bought somebody for twice that much at that time who would have been far more recognised and they they had to I mean they had to scout well and they had to you know take a little bit of a gamble that he would come back to English football and succeed this time um, and and it did and even with Mane you know with Mane they spent a lot of money but it was not the big big you know it wasn't the Martial level of money that United spent around the same and they're not, time they weren't actually looking back at, you know when the signs were made they weren't done deals in that these lads were going to be People still had question marks yeah, about Sadio yeah. Mane yeah, and Mo yeah. Salah, didn't they? Whereas yeah, absolutely. Manchester United go and spend ninety million on Paul Pogba. You know what you're getting. Yeah, no, and that's that's the difference. Which is, which is mad Liverpool, back. though, to be fair, they realised that they needed those two players that they did spend huge, huge money on, and and you know, obviously, it's been justified. And I don't think you know what I don't think you know. Rival fans like to like to sort of take the Mickey and say. You know, oh, Liverpool, you know, just buying the title and all that. But I think that even rival fans recognised that that was the money that needed to be spent, and and their club would have spent it if they could. Like for instance, if City had Van Dijk, you'd think they'd never lose again. No, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, absolutely. It's just because I think he's better than Laporte and better than Stones, and I think those two are bloody good centre yeah, centre-offs great as well. And, you know, yeah, yeah. the way and actually, you know what? That's what I love about Guardiola: the way that he's got them to playing together yeah. because he's still got company to, to fall back on if he needs to but he's given them the time towards the back end of the last season to develop that mm. partnership and grow it um, what about Liverpool's injuries then I think Trent Alexander-Arnold's probably going to be missing at Manchester United we've got Joe Gomez who's going to be out with a fractured lower leg isn't it mm. uh, we've got Joel Matip six weeks with a broken collarbone and Nathaniel Klein hasn't been training Yeah, for this game against United Dave are we expecting to see Fabinho at right back, Milner at right back, three at the back? What are we expecting to see? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think you're right. I don't think Alexander Arnold plays, even though Liverpool are trying to be cagey about it. Um, and he 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 um, he did play James Milner at right back at, at Bournemouth, and you think, okay, well, you could you could definitely do that, but. Milner got cramp, and he's played. I think he's played. Has he played four games on the bounce now? So it's like. Eventually, you're going to have to give him a, a break. But so he's got a decision to make. Does he play Fabinho at um, 
at right back and 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 possibly give Milner a, a, a rest or Milner at right back and bring Fabinho back into the midfield. It's a tough one because you know what you you said right at the start about Liverpool having this spine. You left out the midfield. Yeah, and the one area where you'd say you've not got this this kind of world class element in you know in the spine is in the midfield. Yes. Exactly. I think it's coming. Well, and, and I think he's here. Well, that's the point I'm I'm trying to make is that I mean, I think Fabinho has the ability in that holding midfield role to become the top class player that Liverpool fans say Liverpool don't have in midfield, and um, for me, it's his ability on the ball under the press or under pressure. But also, and his ability to pass the ball forward. We've only seen agree. it. We've only seen it so far against the slightly lesser sides when he has a tiny bit more time, because English football is so much quicker. And at the very top level, you know, in Europe, it, it, it is so much quicker. But we've seen it. We've seen it against the slightly lesser side. We saw it against um, Red Star Belgrade, and uh, I think we we saw it against Bournemouth. I think and. So it's coming, and for me, you need to develop that and see whether he can take that step, which he still needs to, to take, don't get me wrong. He's not there yet in English football, but I think you need to give him a chance. One other thing as well, the one thing I noticed when he came on uh, against Napoli, he made that, he made that, it was his header that actually gave the ball to whatever, and another one I can't pronounce, their striker, who, who had the chance that Alisson saved. It was actually his header. But... How many headers did he win when he came oh, on? Oh, there was loads. And, Tons. And, and, and Klopp is desperate to get that guy in midfield who can win those headers when Liverpool, when Liverpool are, are being bombarded because sides want to hit that ball against Liverpool. He wants us... Uh, he's holding midfielder to have height and strength and win the ball. And, and Fabinho absolutely did that. I, I counted six, eight headers in front of the defence. And and that's what he wants. He wants that his system. I promise you, he wants a midfielder who can can actually win that ball. So that's going to be vital against Manchester United. Absolutely crucial because you know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely all day. Yeah. So he needs Fabinho to play central midfield, or you know, holding. You taught yourself into Milner right back there. Well, I, 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 exactly. You just that's my whole thought process. It, it's I'm I'm worried about Milner playing a, another game, but I think he might have to. He might have to play. He only had cramps, so he should be all right. It's that it's that pace from that left hand side. Is it Rashford? We saw what he did to yeah. Trent Alexander Arnold yeah. last season. Unfortunately, but no. Milner does have the, the the experience to deal a little better with. And that's it. And just on, just on Fabinho, because I completely agree, is everybody can see for me his qualities in the tackle mm. and how big a guy is and those those things. But what you said to, to start talking about that is the thing that I've liked much more about Fabinho's game than anything. It's his speed of movement and speed of thought and speed of pass. Yeah. He doesn't dwell on the ball ever. He takes one touch or two touch and then he pops it off. And it's not like... You know when there's, there's players who... We play the ball quite slowly to a teammate five yards away. He'll drill it at a player yeah. because he understands that that extra second and a half, yeah, and he yeah. trusts the guy to turn and move the ball forward. But his vertical passing—that's what he's looking for. How many times we've already seen him dink a ball over the top to somebody or down the right wing? It's that from the defensive mm. midfield position that I think we don't unfortunately get with Jordan. Anderson. I like Jordan Anderson. I think he's a really good footballer. Yeah, me too. Actually, I'm a bit massive fan. But, but 
I do feel Fabinho's got a bit more to his game in that regard, both both ends, and I wouldn't mind seeing Jordan evolve his position to somewhere else on the field yeah. because of Fabinho. And I said at the start of the season when when we brought him and Kaita in, Kaita are massively impressed with over his time at Leipzig. I think every Liverpool fan turned into a scout uh, watching the Bundesliga last season. But I thought the one player who would change our midfield fundamentally would be Fabinho from yeah. watching him for Monaco and what he'd do. So I completely agree. I think it's that one touch, two touch. Yeah, you know, passing. interesting. I just, just thought coming to my mind. <coughs> Fabinho absolutely does, and it is his ability to pass the ball forward under pressure and still find a man. And and you know, that that is rare in midfielders at the very top level. But actually, the person who did that—that that, you know, you're saying about pinging the pass—Joel Matip was doing <laughs> yeah. that against Napoli, and it, the like the midfield was going, Jesus, Jesus Christ, come on! To because he was smashing balls six in. times. I yeah. counted during the game where Joel hit basically. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold passed their midfield yeah. or Roberto Firmino's feet. Think back to that first goal against Bournemouth. It's Joel Matip who plays the ball into yeah, Firmino's yeah. No, feet. I mean, Matip actually showed he can step in and do that. But Firmino, Firmino is going to be huge going forward. All this, I mean, you know, this stuff. I, I got some stick on Twitter because the Sunday Mirror did a story saying he was going to be sold to PSG to fund some other... Midfielder and and uh, like it was in the Sunday Mirror, which is not the Daily Mirror, which is nothing to do with the Daily Mirror. So like nothing to do with me whatsoever. But I mean, what I couldn't reply was was because you know like rival paper, uh, stable same stable <coughs> paper is. It was just nonsense, you know. It's nonsense. There's no way they're going to let him go in Christmas when he's not even yet settled into the side. You want to see whether he can do it or not, and and I think he can do it. And I think you know, United games a good chance to have a look and see whether he can. And and if if for nothing else, his height could be really important against them. So he he comes in. He is Brazil's right back, you know. I, know, I mean, yeah. he is their first choice right back. So for for Brazil, you know, it's so mad, isn't it? He, he's not really going to struggle at right back, is he? If he if he wants to play him there, but uh, but I think just on balance that height. Uh, Fellaini will play, won't he? Yeah, so, he's, I think he's guaranteed to yeah, play in so this game. That height is probably the key factor. Okay, last question: uh, Will this injury crisis uh, spark us into a move in January for a defensive player? Yeah, I've seen loads of that. We're definitely going for, for, a, for on, on Twitter that we're definitely going for a centre half, and like I don't think Liverpool are going for a centre half. Um, They've got four top class centre halves, top class, and um, uh, Gomez will be back before, probably before January, or you know, certainly first week in January will probably be back. Um, uh, even Matip will be back by the end of January, uh, and I, I also. Um, when when he let Clavan go, it was for a reason, and the reason was they rate Nat Masterson or Phillips. Phillips, Nat Phillips, they rate him really highly. Masterson's a decent player as well, by the way, but they rate Phillips as being potentially somebody he so good. I know it's preseason, yeah. but he looked and, it, and it, preseason's never an indicator. But he, but they need to give space to the to the fifth centre half, who's the kid. And it, but if you buy a, a centre half in January, and he's your fifth centre half, which he will be, you, you can't then sell him in the summer. So he stays, which means next season you've got 
five centre halves, and the, the young player is 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 the sixth. Is the sixth? So he never gets a game. He doesn't even get a game in the League Cup then, or doesn't even get on the bench in the League Cup. So, it for the sake of possibly a week when you don't have a third centre half, because remember they've got two fit centre halves. So for a possibly one week, and actually Fabinho can play there as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. So you know it's it's not a crisis. So for one week when you may be not having. Uh, a, a, a third centre half, then is it worth? Is it worth it? Nah, is no it, chance. Is it skewed by Gomez also being your second choice right back? Well, I mean, he's not necessarily. Because, or is he your first choice right back? Well, no, Alexander Arnold's your first choice right. Okay, hundred percent because Alexander Arnold brings exactly what we were speaking about earlier—that ability to, to, to. Create chances to bring the ball to 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 players as as more than a right back. So no, but Gomez is a, is a great choice in certain situations which Klopp has, has used. But to be fair, Klein has been forgotten, and Klein is still an England right back who has just struggled with injuries and has just had no fluency. So it's hard to put him in. But if he were to, I mean, and, and again, it's unfortunate he's, you know, he's injured, at, like, been injured. <laughs> that's, at the, time. that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah, no, but 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 you know, if he does get, if I mean, it, 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 when he gets fit, not if, because obviously it's only minor his his problem at the moment. Um, he's still an option, you know. He still is an option, and and probably would have come in and played a few more games. Had he not, you know, he was fit for nearly all this season, but it's just unfortunate at the times when maybe he was was going to come in. He's he's not quite there, you know. He's not quite match fit. He's probably fit, but he's not match fit because he's not trained. So, um, I don't I don't think so. I mean, going forward, you you know, if if Gomez, which he will be, will, is your first choice centre half, then you do need uh, a backup right back. But they've got. Some a couple of really good young players. And Camacho's obviously, yeah, highly rated as well as yeah, he scored yeah. against yeah. Napoli under nineteen yeah, and and, the nineteen as well. And obviously they've got uh, the kid at left back as well, who's fantastic too. Who's who they really rate as well. So he, if they've got Klopp, likes to do that. He likes to give space to to players, and I think Liverpool have got enough. They've got. I mean, they've got you know. Along with Manchester City, they've definitely got the best defensive sort of squad in 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 the whole of the think, Premier League. I think by, as, by some distance. As yeah. a Liverpool fan, my concern is that Dexy Lovren just misses a lot of games of football. Yeah, but through like he didn't miss that many last season. Injury, uh, sickness. You know, it's every. It seems to be every three weeks when he's in a run of form, he'll miss a game through yeah. sickness or something, and that that's my issue. It's not that the the four players Van Dijk, Gomez, Matip, and Lovren aren't good enough because yeah. I actually think we've probably got up there for best third and fourth centre halves in the league, along with City. Along definitely. with City, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that Matip and Lovren over the last two years just miss a lot of football. Well, and Gomez has had his injuries, unfortunately. I think, I mean, and I think that's a bit, a little bit unfair because <coughs> uh, Lovren. Yeah, I mean, I take your point. It's certainly in his first couple of seasons, he did miss an awful lot of games. He didn't miss that many games last season, and. I, I think you know what I think it's more you I, I, we're all aware there's a there's a fairly vocal and quite large element of the Liverpool support that just doesn't he's not having Lovren they're, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. having him Lovren's it doesn't probably, matter that he's played brilliantly Lovren, for Lovren's over probably a year. in the top ten centre halves in the world probably whisper it David yeah he probably is I'm, I mean I'm not going any higher Lovren reckons he's in the top one but but he's in the top ten <laughs> I, for me he is centre halves top ten in the world. 
he, he played in a World Cup final alongside a guy who's hopeless. So, you know, so what does that say about him? That says he is absolutely, is a top, top class player. There's, like, honestly, you look at Croatia's team, you would not get away with that team getting to the World Cup final unless one of those centre-halves was top class. And it ain't, and again, I can't pronounce his name, but the guy with the ponytail, it ain't him. He's no good. He's no good. So it must have been Lovren. So he's, he is he is a, in the top 10 in the world. And, 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 the, the, and I, I, you know, the, 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 my, my, my evidence that proves it is he's still at Liverpool. Yeah. Because everybody loved Sacco, thought he was brilliant. Klopp, no chance to get out. He, di- he didn't rate him, and quite rightly, because he can't play. And like, I, I hesitate because I'm going to mention the Napoli centre half again. <laughs> I still can't pronounce Koulibaly. Koulibaly, for me, can't play. Klopp would never sign him. And, and uh, Lovren can play enough. And... He's and good that's why enough. he's there. And, that, and he's there because Klopp, Klopp believes he's in the top 10 in the world. Okay, and, f- and final, final question then. What is the score going to be as Liverpool uh, prepare to face Manchester oh. United at the weekend? Oh. Um, it's, my fear is it's it's nil-nil. My, my absolute fear because I hate Mourinho and I'd hate him to, be, to, to do this because... It would just be anti-football, and it would be like, oh, it justifies what his his horrible methods. My real, real scary fear is they win one nil. My prediction, right, because this is a different Liverpool to the Liverpool that of last season. My prediction is Liverpool win, but they're not going to batter them because United are just going to sit and sit and sit. So, let's go for one nil Liverpool. Okay, I I say Liverpool win two nil. What happens is we, we, for the first time ever, score a bloody early goal against the Mourinho side and it changes the way that they have to play. So then they don't do anything. They won't do anything until the 70th minute, yeah. maybe 80th. Then they'll come out and then we'll score a goal for our second. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I like your confidence and anything that, that, that beats that type of football that makes his life worse, <laughs> for me, absolutely, I'm 100%, but I still think he's going to play that football where well basically no football because the ball won't be on the ground remember no. Mourinho you know I, and you know this is what I want to say that for me that day that night when he came that afternoon let's get it right eventually when he came when you know in the season when Liverpool almost won the title it's too soon I timed it right I actually timed it the first the f- <coughs> the first 20 minutes of that game the ball was in play for six minutes. What? The, I Honestly, I timed it. The ball was in play for six minutes out of 20. So that means for 14 of the first 20 minutes, United, uh, United, Chelsea, United on the brain, Chelsea were putting the ball in the stands, were time-wasting. The goalkeeper got like warned by the referee for time-wasting in the sixth minute of a game. The ball was off the, off the pitch constantly, and yet they came with a team that was worth 400 million with like maybe three or four of the best players in the world. And it's like, that is Mourinho. It, it, the, you know, they had a side that was amongst the best in the world and he didn't even want to have the ball on the pitch. I remember, and what I thought at the time was why it was a bit of a masterstroke by Mourinho. And I don't agree with it, but 
having gone through the City game where every time they touched the ball in that 13-14 season, we booed and hissed. He took the crowd out of the game by doing that because they never had the ball, that Chelsea team. You can't boo someone who doesn't have the ball. You can't boo your own team. Yeah. And he actually took a little bit of the sting out of the atmosphere that day with that time wasting yeah, but, and but, stuff. But, like, but, you know, honestly... You're the, you're the best coach in the world. You're managing one of the best teams in the world that has had hundreds of millions of pounds spent on it. And you go, I've got a genius idea. We're going to put the ball in the stand and keep it there. You, that, like, I know, but you know, come on. I know, but it's, it, you, it did actually you, work. No, no. <laughs> you, you, whether it worked or not, it doesn't matter. You, it's, it's not football. It's not... I can't even. I haven't got any words. But you can't do that whether it works or not. But he not. can because he's a prick, and that's what he's yeah, always done. I, and he absolutely. And for me, that day, that was it. Right? Okay. <laughs> a, a guy. A, you know, it's worse than Tony Pulis. It's worse than Sam Allardyce. It is worse than anybody who gets all the stick that football gives. That day, that was that was like the end of it. It's like you you and and you know to be honest, if you're if you're Chelsea's owner. And you're going, I've given you all this money and your genius tactic is to get the ball and take it to the sideline and hold it. And he was holding it himself. Just hold the ball on the side. And it's like, oh my God, jeez. Somebody should have like said, sorry, but you can never, ever be a football manager again. That would have been lovely. And on that bombshell... We'll have to end the show because that is that would have been really nice. It should be a rule. Yeah. If you do that, you can never manage again. No, no more. The FA haven't got any balls either, so they would never do that. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining me once again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for watching. I hope you're enjoying Freeview Week where we put all of the subscriber content onto YouTube. Don't forget to follow at Maddock... Mirror, at at Maddock Maddock Mirror. Mirror uh, on Twitter uh, for the latest uh, around Liverpool. And what else are you covering nowadays? I did a bit of boxing and I was out there. Still doing a bit of yeah. boxing, but no, I mean it's just Merseyside and well, actually, I'm the I am the Northern football correspondent, so you know, Northern football. <laughs> you made it so interesting <laughs> and some rants about Mourinho, no doubt on Twitter. Yeah, uh, thanks very much. For- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Watching. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the Red Men TV on YouTube, and we'll see you next time. ta